Hello and welcome to another episode of the Secular Buddhism Podcast. This is episode number 156. I am your host, Noah Roshetta, and today I'm going to talk about the circle of skills. As always, keep in mind you don't need to use what you learn from Buddhism to be a Buddhist. You can use what you learn to be a better whatever you already are. If you're interested in learning more about Buddhism, check out my book, No Nonsense Buddhism for Beginners, available on Amazon, or listen to the first five episodes of this podcast. You can find those episodes easily by visiting secularbuddhism.com and clicking on the Start Here link. If you're looking for a community to practice with, to interact with, consider becoming a patron by visiting secularbuddhism.com and clicking the link to join our community. So for today's podcast episode, I've been thinking about the concept of the circle of skills, and I want to give you a little background uh, why this topic popped up for me. Uh, When I first learned to paraglide, my instructor, as I was finishing up training, he gave me this neat little analogy that has stuck with me ever since. And he said, now that you've learned the basics, imagine a circle And inside that circle are all of the skills that you've acquired here during flight training. Now, for that circle to grow, you need to try things, maneuvers that are just outside of the circle of skills. And then when you achieve that, the circle grows. Now, the trick is to slowly grow the circle. Don't attempt something that's way out of your circle of skills because that's that's what puts you in danger. It's very risky to do that. And if you slowly grow the circle of skills, the skill, the circle becomes uh, much bigger over time. But the key is to do that, to grow that slowly. And that stuck with me for years as I've uh, spent more and more time in the sport, attempting different styles of flying, different places, different uh, conditions to fly in, different types of wings. Every single step that I take slightly out of the circle of skills makes the circle of, of skills grow. And now I'm in a position where that circle of skills is significantly bigger than it was when I started. And I try to convey that same teaching to my students when they're learning to fly. The biggest mistake a a new pilot could make is to assume, well, now that I know the basics, I can go attempt this difficult maneuver or something that can jeopardize your safety uh, and your enjoyment of the sport because you could get hurt, you could get killed. And that lesson has really stuck with me. It recently popped back into my mind as I've encountered a new circumstance that I was, I've was i been dealing with for the last several weeks. So about a month ago, I was conducting a training course teaching students how to fly, and I was riding my one wheel. The one wheel is like an electronic skateboard, more or less, but it's just one wheel. That's why it's called a one wheel. And it it's a uh, like a balancing board. You balance on it and it propels you forward or back. And it's a really fun tool that I use in my training because I'm in a very big flat area. And when a student lands out kind of far, I can ride over to them and it's much more effective than running or walking. So that's why I use that for part of my training. So Anyway, I was out conducting some training. A student had just landed. I was on the radio talking to the student, coaching him through the sequence for landing and the timing of when to apply the flare so that you land softly. And as he landed, he landed fine. I was racing towards him, talking on the radio, telling him what he had just done. 
and uh, kind of giving them pointers. And suddenly I hit a soft patch on the ground. This is near a lake bed and it had rained and this soft patch was kind of like mud and my board stuck right into it and I kept going and flew right off. And when I landed, I, I landed on my shoulder and I separated my shoulder. At first I thought my clavicle was broken because the bone was kind of sticking up in a way that it shouldn't. And I, uh, you know, I had to go to the hospital, get it checked out. And sure enough, it was a, a, a shoulder separation. So the bone didn't break, but the ligament that holds the clavicle down to the shoulder did break. And that makes the bone pop up and stick out of place. So long story short, for the next many days and weeks, uh, I was dealing with recovery from an injury and this was an injury that was preventing me from being able to fly. And it was uh, this happened on day two of a training course. These are eight to 10 days of, of training. So I had to continue training the very next morning, but I was doing everything with a sling and my arm was in the sling. And so as I was going through all of this, I immediately started looking into what the exercises and stretches were for physical therapy for this kind of a treatment, because the doctor had told me I would most likely be in a sling three to four weeks, and I was uh, looking forward at the four-week mark to being able to do this family trip to Moab, where my plan was to fly with my mom, take her up for her first ever flight with me. So that was a milestone I was looking forward to, and I was disappointed that that was looking uh, rather unlikely at the time. So I started doing these physical therapy exercises knowing I needed to strengthen I needed to regain mobility in my arm so that I would be able to fly. And as I was going through this, uh, doing the exercises every day, it occurred to me how much this process of rehabilitation kind of feels like Buddhist practice. So this is the topic I wanted to correlate today uh, in this podcast episode, which is the notion that uh, in life, uh, difficulties arise, right? The 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 core of Buddhist teachings would be the Four Noble Truths, which is that in life, difficulties arise. Uh, the the source of suffering, uh, we, we would call this suffering, right? Wanting things to be other than how they are. The moment we experience that, that feeling, um, that's something everyone's going to experience. Suffering has uh, causes. When we understand the causes of the suffering, then we can work towards the cessation of the causes of suffering. And there's a path that leads to that. So that, in a nutshell, is the Four Noble Truths. So here I was in this set of circumstances where life presents a situation, a, an injury in this case. So here I am with an injury that causes discomfort, and now I was going to start practicing uh, the path that would allow me to become more comfortable with the discomfort that I was experiencing so as I was going through the rehabilitation process, doing these exercises and moving my arm and my shoulder in certain uh, directions, I noticed a significant amount of pain. And I would work through that pain until it eased off. And then the next day, it would be a little bit easier. And this continued day after day. And that's where I made the connection where I thought this is a lot like uh, a, a mini a mini lesson of what life is like. Life presents us with certain injuries, if we want to call them that. Um, and it doesn't have to be physical. It can be uh, emotional, uh, spiritual injuries, you know, where being brought up in a certain house or with a certain 
things that happen to you in your youth or certain experiences that happen with friends. Everybody has their own circumstances that they encounter in life and, and they they kind of change they, they change everything. So in this case, uh, the example was here's a, an injury, a fall that now affects my mobility. And now I'm working through that. And essentially what I'm doing through physical therapy is becoming more and more com- comfortable with the discomfort and um, in that process, becoming uh, more and more able to move my arm again. And I thought about this circle of skills. Again, if the circle grows slowly, that's the skillful way to grow it. But if I try to jump out of it, of that circle uh, with a big leap, that wouldn't be skillful. And so it was with the physical therapy I was going through. My goal for you know the next 24 to 48 hours would have been, I want my elbow to be able to get up to 45 degrees. But I certainly wasn't going to set a goal that was uh, you know, to extend my arm over my head and be able to pull down on the brakes uh, of a paraglider wing. That would be way too far out of the circle of skills. So that circle was small and I continually worked on growing it. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened with time. Every day improved. And by day seven, I was out of the sling. So I was one week in a sling and then uh, from day seven onward, doing exercises to regain the ability to stretch my arm all the way up over my head. And by the fourth week, when we went to Moab, I was feeling pretty confident that I would be able to fly because I had been doing all these exercises and stretches. And sure enough, I took my very first flight almost exactly four weeks from the day I was injured. And it worked, and I was able to take my mom, my wife, my all three of my kids, uh, my niece. I, I took several people up during this trip and did tandem flights with them, and it was so rewarding to look back and think, had I not started that from day one of the injury, it's very likely I wouldn't have been in a position to be able to, to do that by that date. So it got me thinking just with practice in general, the nature of practice, I think a lot of people, when they encounter Buddhism, it's it's a what you see is the the hope of having this really big new circle of skills where you can deal with all the things life is going to throw your way, and there's a tendency to to want to jump right to the big skill, right? It's like, oh, this stuff is interesting. I want to sit here and start meditating for an hour, and it doesn't. That's like jumping too far out of the the circle. It's not skillful. It won't be beneficial. You may burn out quickly and then and then you're done with the practice. Very much the same as if I would have attempted very difficult um, man- maneuvers with my arms those first few days. It would be too painful and then I'd be stuck uh, having to spend more time um, nursing that injury because I would be making it worse. But instead, I took the approach of little by little and baby steps, but making continual progress. And I think that's the approach that works best for mindfulness as a practice. Rather than setting these big lofty goals, like I'm going to sit and meditate for two hours. No, don't do not do that. Just try to make little baby steps. Like I'm going to try to think about mindfulness at least twice a day or three times a day and spend 30 seconds to do it. You know, you can set a reminder on your phone, uh, and you can tell it like uh, every day at 2 p.m., 
then your phone will chime and that's your reminder. Oh, okay, that's right. I'm trying to be more mindful. And it can start with very simple things like asking yourself, what did it take for this moment to arise? Or what did it take for this thing to exist? And pick an object and, and start seeing the causes and conditions of that object or of that moment. And in that moment of awareness, you may, uh, you may have some great insight. But what you'll be building up is a new habitual tendency, which is to start to see things more often through this lens of impermanence and this lens of interdependence. You know, the uh, I think one of the most basic forms of practice that's often overlooked is that all we're trying to do is return to the present moment and to see in the present moment the connection of this with all the things that are not this. Uh, this practice is is talked about often, for example, looking at a leaf. You can look at a leaf and then process as you as you sit there and think of the causes and conditions of the leaf. Soon you'll see in a leaf, you'll see the sun, you'll see the clouds, you'll see the rain, you'll see literally everything that it's taken for that leaf to be what it is. So what happens is you start to see in the one thing, all things. And that's the aim, one of the aims of Buddhist practice. I feel like as a society, sometimes we're we're doing the opposite. We're trying to hone in on things and get to the essence of a thing. Um, and and rather than looking for the essence of the thing in Buddhism, we're trying to zoom out, not zoom in. We're trying to zoom out to where you can eventually see in the one thing all things, and that is seen through the through the lens of uh, interdependence. Thich Nhat Hanh would say, all things inter-are. But how often do we see that? We usually see a thing for what it is and and often overlook or fail to see how that thing inter-is inter with all other things. And that, I think, can be um, one of the focuses of our practice. We don't have to sit in meditation for a long time. We A lot of us live busy lives and you know, we're, we're, if we add that pressure that, oh, I need to be sitting and meditating for a long time, I don't, I don't know that that's actually beneficial for a lot of people. What may be much more beneficial is to just focus on uh, practicing seeing things a little bit more clearly. This is the very first element of the Eightfold Path on the Buddhist path to awakening. It's, it's wise view or, or right view. And what is that view? It's to see things through the lens of impermanence and interdependence. So anytime I look at something and I see that thing and I see in that one thing all other things, I'm, I'm looking through that lens of uh, interdependence. And this can be very powerful, whether it's looking at a set of circumstances that I'm in or a situation or a person that I'm dealing with and seeing in that one thing its connection to all these other things can be very powerful. So those were the thoughts I wanted to share. Um, I think that the the concept of having a circle of skills can be beneficial, and maybe it's beneficial for you as a practitioner, someone who's striving to live a more mindful life, to visualize it that way as a circle that you slowly expand and grow rather than uh, trying to make a big leap out of the circle to make it grow faster or bigger. It's perfectly fine and acceptable and probably more skillful to think of the incremental growth and baby steps growing the circle um, rather than uh, big exponential growth.
So I wanted to share that. Uh, that's at least been the experience I've had in my own life as I've attempted to put into practice all of these ideas and concepts that I've learned from Buddhism. I feel like at the end of the day, that circle of skills is also a circle of understanding. I feel like the more time I spend uh, understanding the nature of my own mind, the more I understand the stories I've created about myself, the stories that I've attached to, the stories I've created about others and about reality. And uh, at the end of the day, I'm not seeking to change any of that. I'm just seeking to understand it because the more I understand everything that's inside of that circle, the relationship I have with my reality changes. It's not that the reality changes, but the relationship you have with it changes. And that to me has been so beneficial in every aspect of my life, whether it's as a spouse, as a, as a parent, as a son, you know, all the different phases of ways that we go about experiencing life. So that's what I wanted to share for this podcast episode. I hope you'll be able to take these concepts or this specific concept and use that analogy of the circle of skills and apply that to all the areas and facets of your life where you're trying to grow your circle of skills, your skills with rehabilitation or skills with uh, your career, the skills you have in your job or profession, the skills that you have in the roles that you play as a spouse, as a sibling, etc. So that's the concept, and uh, that's really all I have to say about that. So I look forward to recording another podcast episode soon. I hope you are all doing well and you have a great week, and um, we'll touch base again. Until next time. <laughs>